0: Oh, I've been looking for a sound effect for so long. It's an anime sound effect of a, I think it's a girl going, wow! And I've been looking for it for so long, like it's just killing me.
1: It's like in every other episode of Fairy Tale, so you could probably snip it from there if you had to. Is it?
0: Oh yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Like... Oh, I cannot believe it. I found it! Oh my god! Thank you so much, Sean. You're up. Professional weeb right here. Starting off on a good foot. I'm so happy. <laughs> Carefully and cautiously. It's another episode of Full Metal Analysts. Welcome to our show where free writers analyze each and every episode of Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. I'm Michelle. I'm Arthur. And I'm Mike. Our guest today is a podcaster and one of the two hosts of the Anime Out of Contest podcast. Please welcome to the show, <laughs> Sean Rollins! Hey, thanks for having me, man. Yeah. Wow, I did that all in one <laughs> go? Wow, I'm amazing. Well, so almost, hey. yeah, it was pretty good.
1: And with the power of <laughs> editing, nobody will know.
0: Except our Patreon listeners. So if you want to know what he's talking about, give us $2 on Patreon right now. I'd pay $2 for that, joke. <laughs> <laughs> so let's start off as we always do whenever we have a brand new guest, which is by Asking them, how did you get started with Full Metal Alchemist? Where does anybody get started
1: with Full Metal Alchemist? Staying up late, watching Adult Swim, seeing the O3 show for the first time, thinking, "Hey, wait a minute, this is edgier than Toonami." I better watch this because I'm a cool kid. And then you get enraptured. And then the moment Brotherhood came out, I watched it week to week to week. And every time there was a break in seasons and they started replaying old episodes, I would still go back and rewatch them because I was enamored with the world and the story and was honestly just hoping and praying that a new episode would come out, even if I knew it wasn't gonna be for a while.
0: Let's talk about the director and the writer of this week's episode titled The Shape of This Country. This episode was directed by Takahiro Ikizoe. He directed Reunion and the pilot, already talked about him. It was written by Seishi Minakami, they wrote Struggle of the Fool, Inside the Belly, and other episodes after this one. I'm pretty sure Takahiro Kozoe only directs one more episode after this.
2: It's funny that he has a flashback to the only other episode that he did.
0: <laughs> it feels like the show thinks we're only finding out about the shape of the country, the whole twist about the shape of the country in this episode, when they literally lay it on super thick in the pilot. Do you think that's why
2: they changed it in the dub because an interesting thing we noticed in the dub is that good old isaac our friend says you don't know the shape this country is in which i thought is like a fun clever double entendre but in the dub he's like you don't even know what you guys are getting into So maybe (laughs) their thought in the
0: dub was it is too obvious. Now it's time for us to do our improvised recap. It's the moment in the podcast where one of us will do a 21 second improvised recap of the episode we just watched. And that person will be chosen by the roll of a dice. If he lands on one, it's me. If he lands on two, it's Arthur. If he lands on three, it's Mike. And if he lands on four, it's our guest, Sean. So let's roll the dice. Four. Oh, shit. <laughs> uh, Sean? <It> was foretold. <laughs> 21 seconds. Three, two,
1: one, go. After giving Sloth the cold shoulder, uh, Olivier promptly throws uh, the Full Metal Alchemist and his brother into jail because they are untrustworthy and feel like they are forced to help. After some lovely little character interactions inside the jail cell, they are led out and led into the secret tunnel that was built by Sloth underneath the uh, building, and they go, they talk, Tells Olivier everything. We see uh, Kimberley in the hospital recovering. We see a creepy doctor. Uh, ah, shit. <laughs> <laughs> doctor <laughs> tells everything. And then we get to meet the creepy General Ravencroft, comes and visit Briggs, and they don't trust him. They find out the shape of the country, the fact that the country is, in fact, in the shape of a transmutation circle and has been that way since its founding. And then there's some creepy stuff about a potential immortal army with creepy general Ravencroft.
2: Yes. yes. Yeah. Well done. I liked your, uh, cold shoulder. That was well done. Yeah. Well, thank you. That's like the newspaper headline. <laughs> Ice queen gives sloth cold shoulder.
3: <laughs> yeah. We learned a lot about how that works, right? Oh, they're dowsing him. Oh, is this like, Jet fuel, or is this? Are they gonna light him on fire? Oh no, they're gonna shoot him. Then he's gonna burst on fire. Oh no, he's just gonna get pushed back. Oh, maybe it was to grease him, to push him back. Oh no, it's to sap him from warmth.
0: Don't be ridiculous, Mike. Jet fuel can't belt sloth beans. <laughs> you know that. I, hate that you're, <laughs> I hate that you said that. I, hate it.
3: I mean,
1: how else are you gonna deal with an immortal creature that is unstoppable and keeps regenerating? stop its movements
2: i thought it was cool i think those moments in this show where they do kind of work in
1: chemistry are really cool full metal Alchemist's magic system is one of the best in anime just because it is based in real world science and you understand the basic principle of how it works you take a thing you break it down and you reshape it into a similar thing so much can be done with that and the sheer amount of creativity that is utilized in full metal alchemist with that basic principle is astounding, and it leads to some really awesome fights and interactions, and I'll be honest, one of my favorites uh, is later down the line. You'll smell it coming when you see it, but it's a great (laughs) interaction later down the line.
0: I'll go one step beyond, and I'll say it's not just because it's based on the real world, but also because the laws of the universe are more than just laws to regulate the battles they are laws that regulate the narrative as well mm-hmm. in the sense that not only did Ed and Al they got to their current state because of the law of equivalent exchange but also their life follows the concept of equivalent exchange
3: the question of everything that happens in the world is it related personally to them and what they're yeah, doing
0: exactly every time i think about magic systems that really stick with people for example you know the magic in harry potter Mm -hmm. Uh, although the writer is a piece of shit. Look, there's a running (laughs) joke in
1: our podcast where we talk about Harry Potter all the time, and trust us, we get it.
0: The reason why I think those systems really stick with people is because they are hooked in characters like that, you know? They are born out of personality, and I feel like I'm not exactly the biggest fan of Naruto, but I've never seen anybody walk around asking people like, what's your jutsu, you know? It's like, the jutsus <laughs> feel disconnected from the characters.
3: Yeah, you can't like identify with the personality traits of-, of, of what The only, like only magic exception you could probably make to that is probably Naruto
1: himself.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Just because like his signature techniques are based on his personal struggles as a uh, ninja and whatnot. We
0: broached the topic a little bit, but the big reveal of this episode is that there is a huge transmutation circle all around the country of a mistress. Oh, big surprise. Yeah, well, that's, we have Mike here, and Mike has never seen the show before. Mike knew this from the first episode. It's a country, it's shaped like a circle. I remember young me not really catching on to this. Oh, I did
2: not get it. No, it was uh, no. this episode where I learned that the shape of the country was a giant transmutation circle.
1: I definitely didn't realize it when I first watched it because I got—I can't remember how old I was. But even if I had noticed it at first, I feel like 35 episodes later, probably would have forgotten about that little uh, little tidbit, and it would have come as a new revelation to me.
3: I feel like the entire nation itself, of course, is you know, been set up and been very clearly described as father's tool for something else, you know? So I don't think it was a huge revelation, but I don't think it was bad that it wasn't though. I I was still, like I was kind of just like relieved and happy that Ed is now on the same page.
2: Yeah, Yeah. this was a big episode. There was a lot of info downloaded. It,
1: It is definitely a lore dump episode, which is amazing considering how much they packed into it. And it doesn't feel like an exposition dump. It feels more like just a continuation of the story, but with some really major revelations mixed in to make things interesting, all leading into the end scene with Olivier and General Raven, which made me automatically excited for the next episode. Even if it wasn't a big revelation to the person watching the show initially. The fact that it's a revelation to these characters and seeing how they react, all of that makes it more interesting. Plus, we get to learn why uh, Hughes was killed, what he figured out. I, th- I think that was probably the biggest revelation to me is
2: this is the conclusion of what Hughes discovered that got him killed, which is kind of what set a lot of events of the show in motion.
1: Like the series is halfway done at this point, And we're just now finding out why Hughes is killed, which is awesome in my opinion.
2: So we learned that alchemy uses chi, which is like the energy in your own body, and that alchemy uses the earth's crust energy to fuel their alchemy. Is the power that alchemists think they're using in Amestris what they think it is? Are they really using... No. The... (laughs) Tectonics, or is it some father's creation thing?
3: I think it's a lie that it's plate tectonics. Whatever they did in Xerxes is being replicated again here, and it failed in Xerxes, and now it's being tried here.
1: That's oh man, so. this is very interesting. Uh, listening to theory crafting, uh, when right? you know what right? happens already.
0: <laughs> it's like we're all giants and watching my a little mic inside of a, a glass <laughs> maze. Yeah, But for Mike, the the, the maze isn't glass. The ma- the maze is actual... The maze is um... not glass for Mike. <laughs> but we're just watching him go like, hey, well, where's the way out? Where's the way out? He'll get the cheese one day. I can't wait. Yeah. Who's
2: pride? I came into this being like, oh, alchemy is caused by plate tectonics. But now I'm thinking, no, they just... That's the lie that they've been told.
0: This is the first time in, I would say, 35 episodes that Mei Shang has actually served a damn purpose. And the panda was so cute. I the Sean, we should bring you into this. Mm -hmm. I am a hater of the panda. Why do you hate the panda is my question. It's probably a lot more to do with him than the panda. (laughs) (laughs) I just think it's a useless character, you know. The panda just doesn't do anything. And the panda and Mae Chang, up until this episode, every time they've been on a scene, they've just kind of completely turned into a joke. Like, they don't have serious moments. They just have jokey moments.
1: So your issue is, is the dwarfism infused panda doesn't have any serious character development you know what that's a fair point I understand completely it's like he uh, was like asleep during the scene where the,
3: where the panda was like remember where the panda and May were carrying they were carrying hay together and the panda was rejected it's from its people because of it. its dwarfism I, we talked
0: about this in that episode it's stupid it feels stupid it doesn't Guys, we feel can't, for real we
3: cannot get into this again <laughs> Listen, you sound like everyone cooler than me ever talking about everything I've ever loved. No, it's uh, not.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right, you want my
0: hot take on
1: the panda? You want my hot take on Zhao I believe that's its name, Zhao Mei? Zhao
0: Mei. We can call it Javert, I don't care. <laughs> and <laughs> I'm Javert. Ja- this, <laughs> this
1: anime <laughs> would be a completely different anime if Mei's pet and companion was
0: just Russell Crowe. Chain. Hey, no. <laughs> somebody please for the love of god edit that right now i mean what am i talking about i'm gonna edit it yeah
3: <laughs> yeah
1: no that would be amazing but i definitely think xiaomei is definitely uh, primarily used for comic relief and a plot device but I think that's fine. It's a cute little panda, adds a little bit more to Xiaomei. Rather than just being the random foreign girl, she's the random foreign girl with a magical power and a cute little animal companion. What's not to love about that? It's like a D&D character come to Nothing. life. I can understand your frustration with her, but I think she's fine.
3: And the panda's cute, you know? The panda's pretty cool. Anyway.
2: <laughs> Here's a segment that we have long left in the past, but I'm bringing it back, and it's
1: called Did
2: Mike Catch It? <laughs> Oh, Gosh. right. You brought back just for me.
1: Oh, that's so sweet. I'm so I'm so honored.
2: Mike, in this episode, we see a doctor come in to take care of Kimberly. He's got a gold tooth and a creepy smile. When was the last time that we saw this gold tooth doctor?
3: At the Hitler Hospital. <laughs> <laughs> he got oh, it. Dude.
2: Hold on a second. <laughs> it was at the Hitler Hospital. What is the Hitler Hospital?
3: It's the hospital for young Führers in training. Yeah, man. <laughs> All right.
2: Cue
0: confetti sound. And also the
3: Wow.
0: Yeah, you're going to make good use of that, I can tell. Yes, I'm so happy I found it. <laughs> so we have the big scene where it's them piecing it together, but we also have the second big scene, which is when General Raven comes in. Raven's home. Well, What? Raven's home.
3: <laughs> that's so Raven. <laughs> no,
2: Raven's, there's a show called Raven's Home. There's a Raven... The, the spinoff of That's So Raven is called Raven's Home.
1: Oh, that's oh, interesting. There's really? a spinoff of That's So Raven?
2: Yeah, it's called Raven's Home, and she's a mom in a family with two moms. Why not? That's even more Raven.
1: <laughs> that's your issue that's your issue oh my god it had four seasons what yeah huh?
2: followed by the the off uh which raven simone did not appear in called i can't believe it's not raven <laughs> <laughs> i believe that was just
1: cory in the house if i'm not mistaken uh <laughs> yeah that's true
2: raven spills those beans so fast he learned it from roy yeah he, he's telling everyone like hey want to join my conspiracy Hey, want to join my conspiracy? And if they're like, no, he just
0: transfers you. (laughs) In his defense, Olivier was really, really, really not subtle. So I don't know what his defense is. I mean, she was literally going like she's like oh it would sure be great if we could live forever i would love it if i could live forever i mean that's so ridiculous but like what if i could live forever can you imagine that i'm just a
2: lady and i all i want to do is live forever raven is literally standing on a street corner with like a little bell being like hey want some immortal soldiers ask me about my
3: immortal soldiers yeah i don't think that this plan has anything to do with immortal soldiers by the way really it does seem a little Because what does father want to do with immortal soldiers i can understand how he could sell the idea to other people with like yeah you'll get a bunch of immortal soldiers out of it it'll be great but I don't think that he has any interest in a bunch of immortal soldiers he has some kind of bigger godlike sort of I'm gonna reform reality kind of interest I think I don't really think he's down for like more conquering I mean (laughs) I feel like he could He's doing pretty good at that already. he's already got seven. He's got seven. But what do you need immortal soldiers for if you're already immortal? You know what I
0: mean? Like, you're trying to do something else.
1: I'll be honest, man. (laughs) I can't wait for you to finish this series and to go back and look at all your wild predictions and see how close you are. This is going to be very fascinating.
0: This is a preview, but we have edited a little audio with Mike literally missing the point. (laughs) Like... (laughs) Like, an audio of Mike literally going all the way up to the right answer, looking at it, going, this is the right answer, right? And then, unprompted, out of nowhere, he just goes, nah, it can't be it.
1: (laughs) Aliens. That's the solution.
0: That's tantalizing,
3: because I've done that to so many things. There's no way I could know.
0: So, yes, Olivier is going to be brought in to the conspiracy, or at least that is their objective Which is honestly a good plan. How are you feeling about Olivier now? I think Olivier is a little bit better now. You know, I do think it's interesting how little she reacted to the news that the country she's been serving all her life has existed solely for massacre. She gets over it pretty quick.
1: Well, I wouldn't say that. I would say she is the epitome of the perfect soldier, like the hardened general leader who is loyal to the country to the utmost degree and to her men. But the fact that we can see some cracks in her icy demeanor when this happens and the frustration we see in her wanting to deal with this in her own personal way is a fascinating choice. for Because it's hard to have the cool, hardened, badass character and have them show any kind of emotion that is meaningful. But not only does she have these little moments of emotional resonance with the plight of her country... She still wants to save her country, so much so that she's willing to go against her superiors and the system that she has been a part of for God knows how many years. And the fact that she's willing to do that to hopefully take it over and make the country a better place is a very awesome introspective of her character.
3: I can see both sides of this because I can also see a world where she's like, she clearly didn't like Roy Mustang, but I thought it was like, maybe because she has her own aspirations. Oh yeah. You know, she doesn't like other ambitious people in the room. Yeah, she did straight up say that he was one of her rivals. So <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was cool that she's helping them. I think it's, and I and I was hoping that she was going to be kind of an ally for them. And it makes, it, it's cool and it makes sense. And it's redeeming for the military. definitely but it's also kind of um it's a
0: little weird so for the past (laughs) few weeks we've had our other anime correspondent mitunzi repelli checking in from other animes and this week he sent us another message so let's play it and find out which anime mitunzi watched this week instead of watching full metal alchemist
2: i don't know where he is right now but i hope he's at least making his way towards full metal alchemist at this point
0: let's find out hey michelle long time no time I finally found my way to Japan or wherever this particular media property is set. Guess what? We're on Attack on Titan. Boy, howdy. I'm a season in, and there are spoilers out the wazoo. Lots of big, scary, scary, uncalivani boys eating up everybody damn body. Lots of twists, lots of turns. I am into it. I do want to leave because of the scary, scary... Monsters and their open mouths. All right. Always good to chat and I'll see you on the dirty, dirty flip. Cool. He's not anywhere near from Metal
1: Alchemist. He
0: is at least in a fantasy land.
1: Attack on Titans, Country and uh, Amestris share a lot of things in common. If you think about it,
2: you're right. They do. eh? So we got Dr. Marco, who's like, I told Ed that he's got to find the truth within the truth. But really what he meant was the truth within the truth within the truth. There's a lot of jumps that he was expecting Ed to make. Wondering actually why he didn't tell Ed any of this. To give them a chance to back
1: out. They were so determined that he knew that they were gonna try and do this research no matter what. So he gave them a hint to the truth and then truth within the truth. So that if they find the human transmutation feature, maybe that they'll realize this is the devil's research and we need to back out of this immediately. It gives them a chance to escape.
3: This is my theory on why he didn't tell them everything. He knows that they are trying to get their bodies back. Telling them all of this stuff that he knows, the truth beneath the truth, right, is not something that if he tells them, one, that they would believe, or two, that would be helpful to them finding this stuff out in any way, because what's the proof? You know what I mean? like. He played upon their interests and tricked them into finding out the truth, which is he knew would be disappointing for them.
1: I think it's probably a combination of both, honestly. Marco's a complicated man with a lot of that good old-fashioned war PTSD
3: depression. Because the truth is deeper than that. The truth is deeper than the empanada.
0: Mike, it's time for you to take a weapon with which you may make a prediction, for now it is time for Mikey at the Bat! This is the moment in the podcast where Mike has to guess what happens in the next episode using only the title and the thumbnail of said next episode. Mike, can you describe the thumbnail for next week's episode titled Family Portrait?
3: It's Kimberly tipping his hat. Perhaps he's tipping his hat as like a how do you do? Or perhaps he's putting his hat back on. It's hard to say because it's still. He's going m'lady. Yeah, he's wearing a white suit <laughs> with a white hat. You know what, Next, we're going to reconnect with the homunculi and father, and we're going to learn a little bit more about, like, how they, <laughs> they relate as a family. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so your prediction is it's going to be... That's my best It's the guess. Seinfeld
3: episode of Full Metal Alchemist.
0: Why is it called Philosopher's Stone if you can put anyone in it? Then it should be called Everyone's Stone, not Philosopher's, everyone! What's the deal with that?
1: <sighs> I didn't know that we, you got
3: Jerry Seinfeld as a guest. That was... Wow. Family portrait, we're gonna learn like who Kimberly is. That's what it is. It's gonna be, we're gonna see something about Kimberly's past, and it's gonna be like a moment of like, oh, Kimbley's humanity, and he's gonna be like, good thing that's over.
0: Now that Mike has given his prediction, it's time for us to grade the episode on a scale from one to five stars. I'll get it started by saying, I'm giving this episode four stars. You know, I thought it was very enjoyable, and I didn't really have any complaints. It just didn't feel right to give it five stars. You know, it's not there yet.
2: Yeah, I'm somewhere similar. I think I'm going to give it a, somewhere between a 4 and 4.5, probably like a 4.3.
0: I'm neither
3: I'm going to give it an unenthusiastic or an enthusiastic. I'm going to say a square, earned, completely neutral four stars.
1: Honestly, I think I'm probably about the same. Overall, I'd say it's a really solid episode. The only thing stopping me from giving it a five stars, mm, I don't know. I actually can't think of a good reason not to give it full marks, personally, just because I feel like everything was handled quite well.
3: The burger was cooked. It was all perfect. The food was there. It just didn't have that extra thing. It didn't come with fries. I think it was a great (laughs)
2: episode. I can't think of anything wrong with it. It's not one of those ones where I was like,
1: wow, that was amazing.
3: It wasn't wasn't like, honey, get the camera.
1: (laughs) (laughs) There's something about it that just doesn't quite resonate as a five, but I can't think of a better reason to give it a four. So I'm just going to kind of split the difference right there because there's just a lot of little things in this episode that I really enjoyed. There you go. 4.5.
0: I'd like to thank our guest Sean for coming. Sean, it's been a pleasure having you here.
1: Oh, happy to be here, man. Do you have anything you want to plug? Oh, absolutely. Uh, If you're at all interested in anime podcasts, then you can check out mine and my buddy Remington's podcast called Anime Out of Context. You can get it wherever lovely podcasts are found. It's basically me torturing my non-weeb friend with weird, obscure anime and occasionally showing something nice.
0: Sean, before you go, we'd like to ask you to do a little bit of a favor for us. If you could please do your best full metal alchemist, just like they're doing the interstitials.
1: All right, here we go. Been training years for this. Full metal alchemist. He's ready. (laughs) And if you like.
0: (laughs) Full metal alchemist. And if you don't want to be stuck in an elevator with a tank, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at analysts. That's twitter.com slash fm, the word analysts. Subscribe to us on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to leave us a review. We'd like to thank Sarah Lerner for managing our Tumblr. You can check that out at fullmetal-analyst.tumblr.com. But watch out, there are spoilers there. If you like this episode and would like to hear more, why not subscribe to our Patreon? For just $2, you'll receive extended versions of each episode a week early. That's right, you can listen to next week's episode right now by going to patreon.com, Slash FM Analysts. That'll be all for now. We'll see you next time on Full Metal Analysts. Until then, stay frosty, everyone. Bye. Because we're in the north. It's Briggs. It finally, makes sense.